faith. You're listening to Revival Starts at Home, a message from Pastor Azzalini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. Acts chapter 16 and verse 15. If you have it, say amen. This chapter here, the Apostle Paul encounters Lydia and some other ladies praying on his way from Macedonia. He's passing through Thyatira, and he stops and witnesses to this group of ladies. And the Bible says that Lydia heard them because the Lord opened her heart. Hallelujah. This is what happens when the Lord opens somebody's heart. When God opens your heart, there should always be a response. Ah. Let me tell you something. God will give you moments where you did not intend for your heart to open, but he reaches down and opens your heart to give you an opportunity of response. And it's, I'm saying this because there's people in this room right now that you did not show up here planning a response. But as this word goes forward, you are going to feel your heart open to what God is speaking to you today. And I am telling you right here at the forefront not to take that for granted because that's a supernatural God moment when he reaches down and opens your heart. And you are not guaranteed a second opportunity of response. When God opens your heart, that is your moment to say, hey, Jesus is doing something right now and I am going to respond to what he is doing in my life. Amen. Acts 16 and 15. When God, excuse me, and when she was baptized and her household. Somebody say her household. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful to be in your house this morning. Thankful, Lord, for the breakthrough that you have given us in this service and the spirit of victory, Lord, that has moved into this sanctuary here today. God, I pray right now, Lord, that we would allow you, that we would move every barrier and hindrance, God, that would be an obstruction to you today, Lord, and we would give you full access to open our hearts this morning and receive your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Praise God. I want to preach to you on this thought today. Revival starts at home. Revival starts at home. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited about what God is doing in our families? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Since the dawn of creation more than 6,000 years ago, God's plan for relationship with man was established when he created the family. When creating Adam and Eve, God also created and resided in their environment. They lived in a place that was without sin, where there was peace and where God could easily visit them without offending his holiness. 
Their environment was conducive to the presence of God. Somebody say amen. Weave through the history and timeline of the Old Testament are stories. Stories of families. Families that became tribes. Families that became nations. Families that overthrew kingdoms and built dynasties. Families that had favor with God and families that were rejected by God. God designed the family. So it should come as no surprise to us that since creation, our adversary, the devil, has worked overtime in an effort to destroy our families and our family environment. Amen? He first deceived the woman with a question by sneaking into a place where he was not welcome with the purpose to sway the husband into rebellion and therefore supplant the promises of God designed for the family. He then turned brother against brother and murder was introduced into humanity when Cain killed his brother Abel. Through the infiltration of the family, the enemy over time brought betrayal, rape, murder, incest, adultery, child abuse, and other types of sin. The adversary's success in dishonoring the family speaks to us today a resounding and unchanging truth. The devil hates your family. He wants your marriage to end in divorce. He wants your children to feel abandoned. He wants brokenness and pain to be the last chapter of your story. He wants to pervert your children. He wants to sneak into your home undetected. He wants to whisper to your children when you're not watching. He wants to seduce the eye of your spouse when you're away. He wants to capture the heart of your loved one when you are unaware. He wants to make promises that he cannot keep. He wants you to believe his lies so he can ensnare you. He wants to come over the wall instead of through the door. Because the devil hates your marriage. He hates your children. And he hates your family. Which begs the question, why do we give him a voice in our life? Oh, pastor, what do you mean? I, I don't communicate with the adversary. You may not talk to him directly, but there is no doubt in my mind we have all entertained his voice at one time or another. Let me tell you something today, church. Listening is just as dangerous as talking. Romans ten seventeen tells us that Faith comes by hearing. Well, if faith comes by hearing, then doubt comes by hearing. All Eve did was listen 
and doubt led her into deception. You better be careful when the enemy starts whispering in your ear. Let me tell you something. The devil will tell you that there is no hope for your marriage. That there is no way that your kids will ever live for God. That nobody at church cares about you. That all people do is judge you. That the church is corrupt. That you might as well do what you want. You might as well give in to temptation. You don't need the church. You don't need a pastor. Pastor's just a hypocrite anyway. There is no God. There is no future. You're not good enough to be there. You can't live for God. The church isn't for you. Why do you think they are the way they are? Let me tell you something. When you entertain the voice of the enemy, he will have you doubting what you see and doubting what you experience. When you listen to the devil, he will have you doubting on Monday what you receive from God on Sunday. There is one sure way to know if you've been listening to the wrong voice in your life. Is there any doubt? doubt in your mind is there any doubt in your heart because if there is there is a voice in your life that has been trying to supplant the work of God in your family if you wrestle with doubt it's time to kick the devil out it's time to kick him out of your conversations it's time to kick him out of your thought life. It's time to expel him from your emotions. And it's time to evict him from your home. Mm. When Lydia's heart was opened, she responded by being baptized. And the Bible says not only was she baptized, but her household also. Your born again experience ought to be contagious in your household. God did not intend for you to be the only person in your house that's been baptized in Jesus' name and been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Friend of mine, this is not just for you, but it's for your household. It's for everybody in your family. Salvation is for your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then she acted on her experience. She immediately set out to change the environment in her home. Speaking to the Apostle Paul, she said, Come to my house and stay there. Ah. Too many times we make the mistake of having an experience in the church building but not making changes at home. Let me tell you, most of the what's, W-H-A-T-S, most of the what's in your house are actually who's. It's not what I let in my house. It's 
who I let in my house. What spirit am I entertaining when I read that? What voice am I listening to when I hear that? What mindset am I forming when I ponder on that what? Let me tell you something. There are a lot more who's attached to the what's in your life than you realize. The adversary hides behind a what because he wants you to believe that it's not dangerous, that it doesn't matter, that it's not affecting your home, that it's not impacting your children, that it's not making a difference in your marriage. But friend of mine, there's a who that's looking for a place to get inside of your house because he doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to have peace. He doesn't want you to have joy. It's time for families to say, I need to look through my home again. I need to look through my house again and make sure this is a place where God can abide. First Corinthians 1 and 16 says, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Lydia decided. Stephanus decided. Everyone in my household needs what I got. When you are baptized in Jesus' name, that is not just symbolism. You are being born again into Christ. You are a new creature in Christ. You are a new who when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is not a what, it's a who. That's not a what, that's a who. What do you mean? What I'm telling you is that when you go down in that water, you are born again into a new family. And there is a new name applied to your life. There is a new heritage in your story. There is a new background that you did not have before. And when God fills you with the gift of his spirit, it's not a what, it's a who. That means God himself has said, I am going to come and abide inside of you and I'm going to give you all power all authority and all dominion over sin and the world I'm going to give you the power to live victorious for me hallelujah this is for everyone in your house Jesus wants his name on every who in your house. He wants his spirit to fill every who in your house. And he wants your house to be a place where he can abide. Don't let the environment of your house tell your who that he's not welcome. The Holy Ghost shouldn't cringe when you walk into your house. There's, hallelujah. Your spirit shouldn't shut down when you get home because of the environment that you brought it into. But your spirit ought to leap when you get home because it's a sanctuary that's been purified, that's that's been sanctified. That's been clean. It's a welcome place for the Spirit of God to flow.
Have you ever had someone you love come over and you enjoyed it, but then they overstayed their welcome? Why'd you feel that way? It's because we hide our true self and we put out our best self so the who we invited feels welcome. We clean the house, we hide the laundry, we close the closets, we put out our best refreshments, we use our best manners to enjoy their company for a predetermined amount of time. But when that time is up, our normal manners and our familiar ways of acting and talking and our habits and our attitudes and our mess start creeping out. It's too uncomfortable to make them feel welcome for too long because that's not who we really are. We're glad you came and we love your company, but we don't want you living here. We just want you visiting here because I live here. Me lives here. My flesh lives here. So you can't live here. Jesus, we love you and we're so thrilled to see you every Sunday, but you can't come home to my family because I live there. My flesh lives there. There's only enough room for one of us, God, and I'm not leaving because it's my house. We love it when you stop in for family devotion night, God. We're so thrilled when you visit us when we're sick, and we're so grateful you showed up to provide for us when we're in need. But now you got to go because you've outworn your welcome, and I live here. This is where I keep all of my opinions and uh, this is where I store my secret sin and uh, this is where I collect uh, all of my grudges and my unforgiveness uh, and this is where I file away those thoughts uh, that I don't want anybody else to know about. Uh, I look forward to seeing you next Sunday though, Jesus. Uh, I can't wait till church next week. Uh, but home uh, is where I do me. Uh, it's where I tend to my bad habits. Uh, it's where I excuse my laziness. Uh, it's where I justify my sinfulness. It's where I entertain my flesh. It would just be too uncomfortable, God, to bring you home. I'm afraid you would just wear out your welcome in our family. Let me tell you something, friend of mine. If we are serious about having revival, if we truly want God to give us regional dominion, if we really think God can transform our city, and deliver drug addicts and fix economies and topple corruption and heal our land. Let me tell you where it's going to start. Revival starts at home. It starts in your family. It starts in your house. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me tell you something, friend. Uh, woo. 
At some point, you've got to decide that what you experience here has to have a place in your home. Revival is not just for the church building, it's for the household. Hallelujah. Revival should change the environment in your home. Let me tell you something. You don't have to wait till next month till our church prayer meeting to bring your need before God, to get issues fixed, to have victory in areas of your life. Just yesterday, I noticed I felt a pressure building in my house, and I could I could feel a tension in my kids, and I, I could feel a tension between my wife and I. And I, I said, "Baby, I said this message has been in my spirit all week long, and I can feel a resistance." That is, did anybody notice it was different here today? Took us three or four songs to get to a breakthrough point where it hasn't before. You know why? Because the devil sees that we're not content just having this thing inside a building he sees it's beginning to grow and it's beginning to expand he sees there's a fight on his hands he sees there's a church that's serious about revival he sees there's a people that is hungry and thirsty for righteousness he sees there's a church that is on fire with the spirit of God and the power of the name of Jesus You know what I did, Brother Hammond? I called my wife and kids in the living room. I said, I feel something. I said, I feel a resistance. I said, we're going to have a prayer meeting right here in our house. And we gathered together in that living room. And we began to pray together until something broke. Brother Dwight, there was a liberty that broke forth in our living room. And for the rest of the night, we had peace. Why? because revival starts at home that's why you can have it at your house you don't have to wait till next Sunday you can take your need to God in your home you can watch God do a miracle in your family you've got to be bold at home and say God if it works in the altar it'll work in my living room God if it works on Sunday it'll work at my kitchen table God if it works for them it will work for my family Revival needs to abide in our homes, in our households. It should change the environment that we live in. Joshua 24 and 15 says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm, uh, let me tell you something. Revival at home starts with a decision. It's as simple as that. You don't got to feel it. You don't have to have some big moment in the middle of a church service. It starts with a decision. It starts with somebody standing up and saying, as for me in my house, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. It takes somebody getting bold and saying, in this house, we're going to serve God. In this house, it's going to be an environment that is welcoming to the supernatural. 
supernatural in this house. It's going to be a place where the Spirit of God dwells. Hear me, heads of household, those of you listening online, and those that are here today. You have to decide. You have to decide. Who are we going to serve in our home? The small g gods from the other side of the flood? What does that mean? Well, who'd they serve in Egypt? Greed, lust. You ready for this one? Pull your toes in. Pleasure. Pleasure is a small G God and it'll take you to hell so fast you won't even know how you got there because you thought you were comfortable and you thought everything was okay. Well, we were just trying to have fun. Hey, pleasure became a small G God in my life and it became a good enough reason for me to stop coming to church. It became a good enough reason for me not to come to prayer. It became a good enough reason for me to stop worshiping, for me to stop praising, for me to stop pray. Hey, you better watch out for those small G gods. They are trying to supplant the promises of God in your life. Greed, lust, pleasure, worldly success, progress, materialism, and self. These were the gods from the other side of the flood. When you come up out of the waters of baptism, you must decide the other side of the flood. Are you making the connection the other side of the flood? Sister Edna, you were baptized just about a week ago. Okay, and you were baptized just about a week ago. Listen to me. Right now, you're deciding who am I going to serve? Am I still going to give in to my flesh? Caden, you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to get up every single week and make it to church or am I not? And you're going to have to decide, am I going to be a worshiper or am I not? Sister Vicki, you're going to have to decide. You've been baptized in Jesus' name, but today is your day. Hey, listen to me, friend of mine. Church, nobody, nobody escapes the decision-making process one way or another you are deciding who you're going to serve you may not stand up and say it out loud but your actions are revealing who is the God you serve somebody ought to declare today Ben, you need to say it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Derek, you ought to say it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Luke, you ought to say it. Jim, you ought to say it. Brandon, you ought to say it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Acts 16 and 31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. You got to decide, and you must believe. <clears throat> Just a few verses later, this is the same chapter we were talking about, Lydia. 
Just a few verses later, after Lydia gets saved, Paul and Silas are thrown into jail. But the Lord frees them by sending an earthquake and moving on the heart of the jailer. And through that experience, the jailer asks them, what must I do to be saved? Uh, I'm just going to toss this in here real quick. When your world is shaking, that's the perfect moment to say, God, what do I need to do to be saved? They responded to him. Paul and Silas responded to him. And they preached to him the same thing that Peter preached in the book of Acts chapter 2. They said, you must believe and thou shalt. That's a promise. It's a future tense promise. It means if you start with belief, it will lead you into promise. It will lead you into salvation. The first thing you got to do is believe. And thou shalt be saved. And I never saw this before, Brother TJ, until yesterday. And... Thy house. Oh, I don't think you heard me. If you are living in your house and you are the only one that's been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, I just found yesterday in Acts 16 and 31 that there is a promise for your family. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. It only takes one believer in a household to change an entire generation of a family. It only takes one believer in a household to change the landscape of your entire heritage. Hallelujah. If you will believe, God will bring revival to your house. Genesis 47 and 12 says... And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. It only takes one in the house to affect the whole household. One man who would not turn his back on God, even when his family turned their back on him. One man who stayed true, who stayed faithful, fed his entire household in a season of famine. Oh, you better get this today. Mm. When you're the only one, the devil tries to convince you that you're just wasting your time, Brother Osmus. Why do you keep coming? Why do you keep listening to that preacher? Why do you keep giving? Why do you keep sacrificing? Why do you keep gathering the corn, Joseph? I'll tell you why. Because there is a day coming when my family is going to be hungry for the truth. They are going to thirst after righteousness. And on that day, I will be ready. My storehouse will be full. I will feed my household because I decided who I would serve. Genesis 35 and 2 says, Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. You better listen to your pastor today. Your life should change after the blood has been applied. 
your life should change after his name has been applied. Your life should change after you've been filled with his spirit. You shouldn't talk the same. You shouldn't walk the same. You shouldn't look the same. Hey, friend of mine, this is a one God, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, power Jesus name church and everything in your life ought to change when Jesus steps into your world when Jesus brings revival to your household what's in your house that verse tells us if you want revival in the household you've got to clean out the house I'm going to tell you about a little invention that changed our world in the early 19th century. An Italian inventor named, help me Jesus, Guglielmo Marconi first developed the idea of a radio or wireless telegraph in the 1890s. Stay with me, I'm almost done. His ideas took shape in 1895 when he sent a wireless Morse code message to a source more than a kilometer away. He continued to work on his new invention and in 1897 he received the official British patent for the radio. We're going to fast forward just a couple decades into the 1920s. Radio broadcasting was the cheapest form of entertainment and it provided the public with far better entertainment than most people were accustomed to. As a result, its popularity grew rapidly in the late 1920s and early 1930s. And by 1934, 60% of the nation's households had radios. Everybody good? Everybody with me? All right. I'm quoting an article that was written about 20 years ago. This article starts out with a quote by a man named E.B. White, who was a journalist, an essayist in a paper. He said, I live in a strictly rural community, and people here speak of the radio in the large sense with an over-meaning. When they say the radio, they don't mean a cabinet, an electronic phenomenon, or a man in a studio. They refer to a pervading and somewhat God-like presence which has come into their lives and their homes today as we look forward into television and the development of the internet and everything else bringing satellite transmitted pictures from around the globe we sometimes dismiss radio as merely a quaint prologue to the present radio was and is more than that it defined the 20th century as much as the automobile the first modern mass medium, remember it's not a what, it's a who. Radio made America into a land of listeners. Where does faith and doubt come from? Entertaining, educating, angering, delighting, and joining every age and class into a common culture. Radio created national crazes across America, taught Americans new ways to talk and think, and sold them products they never knew they needed. Radio brought them the world. Whew. 
the new medium of radio was to the printing press what the telephone had been to the letter. It allowed immediacy. It enabled listeners to experience an event as it happened. Soon, people wanted more of everything. Music, talk, advice, drama. They wanted bigger, more powerful, greater, better sound. And radio became a godlike presence in our homes. Everybody still with me? Well, I will concede to you today that correlation does not necessarily equal causation. I think it is no accident that the structure, health, and numbers of the biblical family documented in article after article after article primarily record that the breakdown of the family began in the 1920s. Today, only about half of children live with two married parents. This is an all-time low. More than 15% are living with parents in a remarriage, and 7% are living with parents who are cohabiting. Conversely, the share of children living with one parent stands at 26%, up from 22%. And these statistics that I just read are more than 10 years old. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, legal guardians, the voice and voices in your home matter. <clears throat> the conversations you entertain, the media you allow, the spiritual atmosphere of your house, the kind of language you use, it all matters greater faith it's time to take back our households it's time to take back our households revival starts at home people ought to feel the presence of God when they come into your home your neighbors should experience peace when they cross the threshold of your door. Your home should be a place where angels feel comfortable. The atmosphere of your house should be filled with worship. The language of your home should be faith and praise. Your conversation ought to magnify God. Carnality should not feel comfortable in your house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There will be revival in the church building and there will be revival in my household because revival starts at home. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm closing. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise. Somebody say it's a promise. Is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. <laughs> I've made up my mind, and I hope you've made up your mind today, that I will not be satisfied with anything less than the promise. The promise is for my children. The promise of being born again is for my family. Revival's coming to my household. Our city's going to change because our households are changing. Our neighborhoods are going to change because our homes are changing. This region is going to change because we are taking revival back and it is starting in our home. My kids are going to be worshipers. Huh? Did y'all see this row of kids here today? Huh? The kids in this church are going to be worshipers. Huh? Come on, you need to decide. Me and my spouse, huh? we're going to partner with God. Huh? Me and my kids, we're going to partner with God. Huh? Our household is going to have a kingdom first mindset. Huh? I'm not working for the weekend. Huh? I'm working for eternity. Huh? I'm laboring in the kingdom. Huh? My reward is over yonder. Huh? It's in the sweet by and by. Huh? I've got an eternal perspective. Huh? Not a momentary moment perspective. Huh? But I'm looking in the future and I see a city with families with households that are experiencing revival I'm not living for pleasure I'm living for the promise Y'all didn't know pastor was going to be pastoring today, did you? Uh, let me tell you something. If you'll receive what I said today, if it bumped up against your flesh, I'm glad. If it provokes something in your spirit, that means it's doing what it's supposed to do. Ha. But you got to make a decision like Hannah did. When the word came and it offended her, she could have run out the door. But instead, she stepped over that offense and said, there's a promise waiting for me right there at that altar. I'm going to receive what he said, and I'm going to let it change my future. I'm going to let it change my destiny. There's people in this room today. There's a lot of people in this room right here today who have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let me tell you something, friend. This Bible says that your salvation is your responsibility. That means it's up to you to respond when the Holy Ghost is moving. So if you're in here today and you have never 
receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about goosebumps. I'm not talking about feeling God. That is not the same thing. You can't find that in your Bible because it is not in there. You can feel the presence of God and not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because every time somebody received the gift of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, it was evidenced by speaking with other tongues. And Jesus made it very clear when he spoke to Nicodemus. He said, unless you're born of the water and unless you're born of the Spirit, you can not enter into the kingdom of God. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you right now that if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need it. You've got to have it. And the promise is for you. God wants to give it to you. He wants to fill you with it today. He wants you to leave this place with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He wants you to walk out with a power to live a victorious life that is free from from sin as an overcomer living in promise and destiny and purpose but you've got to be bold and you've got to be willing thanks for joining with us today be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others, as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.